Hello and welcome to the third Persephone program of 2020. I am super busy writing my book, Capricorn Rising, and um, hoping that it will be done in the next few months. And I'm going to read you a little bit of it after our discussion or after I talk about what it is that I want to talk about today, which is past lives, essentially. Um, I don't remember whether I've talked about this before, but if I have, I'll elaborate a little bit more on this um, today because this topic keeps coming up um, in my life and others. Um, a lot of different synchronicities going on around past lives. Um, what are they? different ideas. And I just feel like I want to talk about it with you guys and um, give you some other information. And also, in addition, I keep getting requests to do starseed readings. And I've mentioned in some of my other podcasts that I don't do specifically starseed readings because, you know, starseeds, as I've mentioned to you guys before, is a kind of a, what we call a fringe theory. And the idea here with Starseed is that there are specific people that are not fully human, meaning that they have the DNA of intergalactic peoples and that they their original life was not necessarily human, but was from another planet. Starseed people have... Um, kind of, they're kind of either, they're remembering either past lives as, um, you know, on other planets or they're think they're having dreams or other types of contacts in regards to spaceships, intergalactic travel, um, and other types of people. There's a lot of, you know, there, there is a lot of mystery in this universe and whether or not that is true or not, I don't know. Um, I think that it's very possible that our soul, that is our own higher self or that essence of us that is beyond our own consciousness, has had many lifetimes in many different dimensional realities. And that could certainly include another, you know, planet. But just mentioning that so many things that we talk about now and are like our new occult or new age, you know, environment of alternative spirituality that includes astrology and the tarot and divination and the remembering of indigenous spiritual beliefs and animism and all of that. It, within all of that, there are a lot of sort of new or like kind of like newer theoretical ideas on what is and what isn't. And, um, you know, people nowadays, you know, they'll contact me as an astrologer and say like, oh, can you read my Akashic records? And I want to know what starseed I am and am I a light being and what is my light language and all that. And it's like, I don't know what these things are. Uh, <laughs> but um, I do know that for the most part, um, many of them are fairly modern at least theoretically, you know, and in structure. For instance, um, you know, the Akashic Records. You know, Akashic Records really 
you know, essentially is similar to kind of what the um, depth psychologist Carl Jung called the collective consciousness or many, many, many world cultures, religions, and, you know, mythic stories talk about this sort of organizing structure of reality. Um, You could even call it the matrix that feeds, that both records and also feeds human consciousness. And, you know, Akashic records are something similar. Akashic records kind of came from the Theosophists, which was a society that was developed in the 1800s around the time of spiritualism by Helena Blavatsky, Madame Blavatsky, a very famous spiritualist and psychic medium. And she and her partners um, in this organized religion, which kind of came out of religion, which came out of spiritualism in Europe and was a... um, an amalgam of Eastern Hindu belief, um, Tibetan Buddhist, that kind of stuff. They created a lot of the terms that we use nowadays in our modern, you know, spiritual free-for-all society. And one of them is Akashic and Akasha, which really means like the heavens. And, um, and so, you know, from, Helena Blavatsky to Alice Bailey and Rudolf Steiner, also very famous um, spiritual writers from you know the ni- late 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. That's where we got this term. So it is fairly new in terms of a an organizing principle, um, but of course, many world religions have the same idea, or many world myths, or you know creation myths and things like that from all the different cultures. So when you are getting introduced to these types of theories from friends and stuff, take a moment to do like a little bit of research and kind of look into that and see what resonates with you Uh, and, you know, what you personally resonate with because the meaning that you give to something is what's important, really, I think. But for me... Um, I guess my own spiritual belief, you know, isn't tied into needing to name things so much, but just understanding that they resonate with a specific kind of a principle. So therefore I do believe that there is a collective. And I remember the first time that I kind of, it resonated with me and I was just a child I remember I was in the car with my mother and she was driving and I saw all these other cars and everybody's driving, driving, driving on the freeway or something like that. And I thought, why isn't there chaos? Why isn't there constant accidents and, and, you know, insanity? And it came to me suddenly like an insight that there was some form of organizing principle that was not conscious and that all humans were tied into it the collective consciousness, you know? Um, And so Akashic Record is kind of like that too. And so I think that most of us can read or resonate with aspects of the Akashic Record if you put your attention into it and on it. And of course that there are specific structures and guided meditations and visualizations that you can use and dependent on your own personal inclination, 
um, and talents and gifts, because there are certainly people that are very, that can easily connect with, um, altered states of consciousness, their own inner subconscious, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it's simple for them. I mean, they can do it like that, you know, um, naturally too. And then there are other people that need or want, you know, or, or need to take a long time to do something like that or need an organizing principle, for instance, you know, a guide, um, a therapist, a hip, you know, hip, hypnotherapist specifically. So there are just so many different ways for one to access. And I think that that is part of what I want to mention is that there isn't any specific one way. I, I personally do not resonate with the fact that there is one way. I think that there is as many ways as there are people. But my way um, with astrology is very much using traditional astrology and well I would say probably not traditional more modern astrology because there's been a a huge influx of people that are practicing um Hellenistic astrology and medieval astrology and in those astrological formats they don't use the planets that were weren't discovered you know at that time so I definitely am using all the planets and elliptical points and asteroids or planetoids and finding more and more information from that. But um, anyway, I'm rambling, but I kind of wanted to talk about past lives. That ties into the whole starseed thing. That ties into, um, you know, the Akashic record, which is a place where you can access them. Whether you call it the Akashic record, your the collective consciousness, um, the Hall of Records, your own um, inner subconscious, unconscious. Uh, it doesn't matter. All I know is that many, many, many of us have a, a real stream of information and experience that does not come from our daylight linear world. I want to read a quote to you of time you would make a stream upon whose bank you would sit and watch its flowing and that which sings and contemplates in you is still dwelling within the bounds of that first moment which scattered the stars into space there's an idea of understanding the dynamics of time that's like central to the process of astrology itself in astrology, we have a specific kind of time, which is both like clock time. Our astrological circular chart is essentially a clock. The moment the sun is rising is the moment of, you know, essentially the ascendant. And we look at the movement of the current planets and how they interact with the static natal chart like a clock. They move, they turn, we progress a, a chart one year per day as well. So there's a there's a lot having to do with with time in regards to astrology. And you know, the idea that you know that kind of like time is like a gigantic kaleidoscope 
revolving around one's chart gives the idea that the, the, the entity itself or the soul is kind of static and it's having these experiences and growing and unfolding and transforming within time. In astrology too, because we see things moving and changing and growing, we can also see the deep past that lies behind the moment of birth. And we see that through the various planetary placements on the horoscope. Um, and we're able to look at specific things. The outer planets uh, talk about generational focus for us. And we can see them moving throughout time um, within our own individual charts. The nodes of the moon, the dragon's head and tail, talk about what is being released. That is your south node, the tail of the dragon, and what we are ingesting or bringing into our life, the mouth of the dragon or your north node. There's a kind of an astrological chart called a draconic chart, which talks about um, or uses the nodes of the moon to give a creative potential understanding of an aspect of you or your consciousness um, that has been working on specific things, meaning, i.e., a potential past life. What were you working on? What are you working on now? That is your south node and north node. So you can do specific past life type readings if you open your mind to the fact that this may be possible, that it may be that we are living multiple dimensional lives even at the same time, knowing that time really isn't linear um, as we do, you know, from our great physicists. And if you can think about it kind of similarly to your state of consciousness and how it changes between your waking consciousness and your dreaming consciousness, you can think that it is possible that there are multiple states of consciousness that we may even be experiencing all at one time. So, you know, there's that too. But all of that aside, I have had personally many experiences of what I would call memory of being another person and having specific uh, experiences that were not my own. These memories came whole uh, unto themselves with the snapshot that your memory does, you know, have, you know, like a moment in time, but also a backstory all at one time. Um, most of my past life uh, memories were through spontaneous um, remembrance, either in dream or just in waking self. And most of my past life memories um, or my other life memories had to do with uh, other people, meaning that they came to me spontaneously with, in an interior way, with kind of thinking, with me trying to figure out why I am having a relationship with someone else. So I'll give you some examples. And they also come, oftentimes, other life memories. I hate using the word past life, but in many of these experiences, for me personally at least, they were not, they seem to be in a time that we would consider to be in the past. Um, but 
every time I've had them, it was almost like you touch someone in the same way that I know many of you have heard that um, there's a particular kind of uh, intuitive and psychic power um, called psychometry, where you you hold or touch an object and are able to read it, essentially, or get information from it. Well, my particular experiences always had to do with another person for the most part. One didn't, and that came to me through um, an experience that I had on the Ouija board with my mother. But most of them have come from another person. So it's almost kind of like me touching or having an experience with another person. I get this spontaneous memory and it tells a story. So here's a few of mine. When I was 21, I became engaged to be married to a man that I had very only very recently met. Um, and he was the friend of my best friend's boyfriend. And I was single at the time, kind of, you know, I don't know, semi-apathetic, living my life. And, um, my best friend had recently met this man who was very exciting. He was a a chef. He had come from the South. He made incredible food at this fabulous restaurant that we used to go to in San Francisco. We were both shop girls working in this, you know, really upscale couture clothing boutique in Pacific Heights in San Francisco in the late eighties and being gals about town. One of the things that we love to do is go out to eat. And, you know, San Francisco had incredible restaurants. So we would do that. And one incredible restaurant that we went to, um, we got a a bourbon, pecan bourbon, dark chocolate bread pudding dessert. And and it was incredible. And my, my BFF, she was, her family was from New Orleans and her father was a fantastic cook and cooked incredible Cajun and Creole food. And she was quite impressed and she wanted to meet the chef. So she happened to meet the chef and he was young and good looking. And she started having this relationship with him. And because she wanted to hang out with him all the time, she wanted him to bring a friend for me. You know the drill, right? So, so she had met this, she had met him, um, before I did. And his name was Aaron. And, um, she, had told me that, you know, he was like super hot and, you know, I, you know, he was, she was really attracted to him, you know? And anyway, long story short, he and I ended up dating and very quickly, it was very intense. And the main intensity of the relationship, which kind of really struck me was the, um, the weird eroticism around it. And of course you want to have, you know, a sexual relationship be erotic, but it was, it was very strange to me. I felt when I was with him, almost kind of like slightly paralyzed and where his own, I guess, desire nature was paramount in the relationship. And it was very strange. So one time when we were together and we were beginning to, um, you know, to be intimate, I had this, like he was touching me 
And he used to get this look on his face where his eyes would lose focus. So it was like he was looking at me, but he wasn't. And so he's like laying on top of me and he's, he was very slow. He was a Taurus and everything that he did was very, very slow and very deliberate. And his eyes would just suddenly like lose focus and his pupils would get really large. Instead of dilating, they would be huge. And, um, and in one of those moments when he touched me, I had this like past life memory of being with him in another life and being a different person. And it's kind of intense because I had this memory and in this memory, I kind of knew who I was in a weird way. I both experienced myself and knew who I was. And I felt that I was a, a young woman, a Roman woman, a woman in the time of Rome. And I knew that I was a Christian and that I had to keep it quiet and that I went to these meetings of Christian people. And, um, it must've been very soon after, I mean, certainly a hundred years after Christ, you know, it was because the Roman empire was, it was, it was Rome. I was wearing like a, you know, a Roman, you know, um, outfit and sandals. I lived in a, in the home of my brother. And this man that I was with now, Aaron, was him. And he was some form of politician or or even um, maybe someone in, you know, the Roman army. And he was very powerful. And I was, I believe, either a, I was a younger sister or a half-sister or some family member. I was definitely his sister. And um, I was unmarried. And I also felt through the experience of my consciousness that I was not, there was something wrong with, with me or in my intellect, like either that I was, um, learning disabled. I was somehow disabled in some way, moderately, not necessarily that physically, but mentally. And, um, I loved the simplicity of Christianity and was really attracted to it and was going to these meetings. Um, and I wasn't able to, like I mentioned that I wasn't, I wasn't married. I was, I don't know how old I was, but maybe twenties or early thirties. And that this man, my brother, this older man was like using me sexually. So he almost like fetishized me. Um, And I knew all of these things in this very strange experience of just getting all this information all at one time, experiencing myself, knowing who I was, and then also knowing that somehow I was murdered. I was killed, not by him, but by someone who was trying to hurt him or kill him, a political rival uh, of some sort. And I was killed one one day I was stabbed to death um and I like experienced all of this almost like in one moment um while he was with me and it was the strangest thing and not only that then later I had another experience with him um that was another life I believe in during World War II where he was a Nazi soldier and I was 
um, a young Jewish girl who was trying to escape. And I think that he allowed me. He either knew me. There was some relationship there. He knew me, but he couldn't help me. He couldn't save me. Um, I could have been a neighbor that he knew that he saw um, because I had mentioned before that one of my other past life memories was as um, a young girl in, I believe it was Warsaw, um, Poland, um, but a young girl in World War II, a young Jewish girl who was killed. And that came through my Ouija board. But this experience with him was like, it was very bizarre. It was just laying there and suddenly I just saw all of this. It was like having a spontaneous memory of your own past. If you can think about how you have a memory of your own childhood and suddenly like you know the backstory about it and you've got that memory. That's how it was. So I had two memories with this guy that, and it, in an interesting way, it made me understand this was a very brief relationship where we actually ended up getting married very briefly and divorced. Um, but it was such a weird relationship and it was so fast and then it was over so fast. And I really felt that in some way we, we needed to complete some karma. And part of the karma that we need to do was he needed to actually marry me legally and without any impediment. And then that after that, it was over. It's a long story because he also happened to be a drug addict. Um, he had recently, when I met him, he was clean and sober. And while we were together, he went down a, a really dark path and, um, and ended up using again. And that was, you know, part of obviously why we ended up having to break up. But um, that was like a, a really profound experience that I couldn't put in any kind of context other than it made sense to me. Later, I had a similar experience years later when I met a man that I actually fell deeply in love with. Um, this was several years later and I was traveling for work and, um, you know, had, as, as we do, had told like all my friends, like, I'm, I'm just here for work. I'm not interested in romance, but I was on a long, a long trip, single again, you know, in my mid twenties. And I met someone and from the moment I met him, it was just instant. Like the moment I laid eyes on him, it was an instant connection. And we had the most intense and passionate and difficult relationship probably of my life. And, um, he's since passed away, but one of the memories I had, uh, he and I made so much sense because he was, and I didn't know this when I first met him, but within a year of having a relationship with him, I realized that he, I didn't really know what it meant, but I realized at the time that he had serious problems with depression. And, um, you know, when we are young and the fiery nature, like I was, I thought it was all me. You know, I thought it was us and it was, it became a power struggle between us, his, his negativity or his depression and his, you know, kind of insistence sometimes that you know, him pushing me away when he was sad or I felt that I had somehow brought it on and things like that. But also similar to my experience with Aaron, this experience with him was 
one night we had gotten into this, like tremendously strange fight and I had a dream. And the dream was that I was a young woman. I don't know where it was, but it, I felt that it was potentially Europe somewhere and it was feudal in some way, you know, like there was a forest, there was like a village. It seemed sort of medieval-ish from my costume, which was like a homespun kind of brown wool long dress. And in it, my memory is that there was like a big festival in this village and that our feudal lord um, or the, the, you know, the, the man who had, he was a nobleman. He was bigger, you know, he wasn't just a village person. He owned land that he would always come to this particular festival. And at this festival, um, it was like a fertility festival. It may have been like a May Day or a Beltane type situation, but he came to this festival and, um, in this festival, I pursued him at this festival and became his lover. I was a young woman, teenager, I'm sure. And he was older and he had lost his wife and his child recently. And I remember that there was an understanding. I knew this and there was an understanding in the village and everyone was very sad for him because he had lost his wife and his child in childbirth, both his wife and his child. And he was in deep mourning. And in my youthful kind of folly, I thought, that I could make him happy, that, you know, loving him physically could make him happy. And it did for a while. And there were all these experiences, two spontaneous experiences of me as I was making love to my boyfriend, also making love to him in another time and place and being quite young and having this experience of like, just, just feeling my own uh, sensuality and, and fertility. So in the dream, I became pregnant and I was proud and happy of this pregnancy, even though we weren't married or anything, he was the Lord. And it was a pregnancy that came from this, essentially it began at the fertility festival and it was a good thing. It was a good thing for the community. It was a good thing for all of us and it was going to make him happy. And I was proud of that. And even though I wasn't, I had no designated role within his life. I was okay with that. And I was still a young girl. I was still pretty. And fast forward to a memory of him becoming increasingly uncomfortable with my pregnancy as it progressed, um, fearful and negative. And then seeing me walking around the village, talking to other boys and things like that, he began to push away, to push me away and to essentially reject me and the child. And I remember like experiencing the feelings of devastation when I was rejected. And really after that, I don't have any other experience or any other memory. So I'm not sure the end of that story, but, um, all of this kind of came to me in a flash with him. And then that was the first rejection. I think that was the first life that we had together. 
And then I remembered another life in which I was, I believe, um, a Native American in the American Southwest because the scenario that I was in was that I lived in a place where we lived in the in the actual in a canyon like in there were like these houses built into the rock in a canyon and I just knew where I mean I knew where it was I don't know where it is somewhere between you know Nevada Arizona New Mexico something like that and um and we had a life there and I was um I was a woman again too and he was a man and um I rejected him this time I knew that there was something wrong with him. Um, there was an emotional negativity. Uh, there was a difficulty there. And I made the choice not to be with him. And I can still visualize the eyes, his eyes, and the pain and, and anger. And I feel like he and I had just gone lifetime after lifetime trying to be together and then both sort of like rejecting each other and coming back together and rejecting each other this attraction and then also getting beyond the pull that we have and our own fears that was a huge thing in our own relationship again there was a rejection there was a coming together and a rejection um and it happened on first he rejected me and then we got back together kind of and then I rejected and I, it went back and forth. Um, and I think that unfortunately he took his own life and um, I, I'm hoping that we don't have to continue to have negative relationships lifetime after lifetime. In both these two um, relational experiences and the memories and things that came from them. Our astrological charts showed definitive points in regards to the, the nodes of the moon, um, which I have found are really indicative of specific past life experiences, if you want to call it that. <laughs> you know, again, starting to be open here. But, um, both of them um, had either sun, moon, or their own nodes connected to important places in my own chart. Um, and if you want to look at your astrological indicators of past life, the evolutionary planets of you know Pluto, Neptune, Uranus tell a story, especially Pluto. Um, the planet of death and rebirth. So aspects to Pluto, look in your own chart. Aspects to the nodes of the moon, especially the south node. And I have the south node in Scorpio. And this particular gentleman was a Scorpio. Um, my ex was a Taurus with a Scorpio moon. So we're talking about a lot of major aspects here that, you know, in many astrologers' interpretations could indicate, um, you know, other points of contact, you know, relational contact. So, um, you know, past lives are a really interesting um, thing to delve into. And if you're interested in it, I think most people that you have important relationships with, you probably have had 
others. So, you know, your circle one relationships, your parents, your children, your siblings, your partners, your lovers, your best friends, you know, sometimes even coworkers, but people that are your, your teachers, certainly people that connect with you in your life, you can have um, had many lives together. And the only way that you can really find out is by allowing your own you know, consciousness to, you know, hold space to include the idea that perhaps you, you've, you know, there's a reason, there's a reason why you're living. This is an earth school, you know, and that you've done it many, many times and that you typically have done it with many people. So, and that you continue to incarnate with the same people. There's that idea too. And I try and like use very vague language. I'm trying to use vague language, even though I'm giving you a subjective experience of my own um, because again, I have this sort of like weird, um, resistance to specifically saying, this is the way this is definitive. There are specifically past lives that, you know, because like I said to you before, I don't believe time is linear necessarily, but I do know that we have these experiences and they, in my own personal experience, they are as real as anything. And they are the stories that we need or that we are being fed by our consciousness and we need to trust that in the same way that we trust you know that there is that you know beyond our own conscious understanding that there is something more and our own imaginative faculty or our own ability to take in information in ways that aren't necessarily intellectual that allows us to have a deeper comprehension of all that is um, you know, the imagination may not be what we think it is. The imagination actually may not be what we think it is, which is just pure creativity. Um, it may be something more, maybe something greater. So, um, you know, what are your past lives? Do you have any? Have you had any kind of memories of being in another place, another time? Have you had any memories of having another relationship with people that you currently have relationships with? Um, and what did that look like for you? And how did that make sense of your relationship? Because that's another big point. Does it make sense of your, you know, um, of what's happening right now and why? Because it usually does. It's like, oh, okay, that's why this is going on. And that's the reason why you're given that little snippet of information, that little tiny memory or the experience of knowing it. Because I think that if we were given the experience of all that we potentially are, that, you know, currently with our state of consciousness, our collective consciousness, we'd probably feel that we're completely insane. <laughs> you know, it's hard enough for those of us that have, that, that are able to sort of even talk about this, like, as I'm telling you all of this, I'm thinking like, this sounds really weird. You know, that's why I keep most of these things to myself. And, you know, why my mother always did, you know, and told me the same. It's like, you know, there are many different types of people out there. And many people are very afraid of breaking free from their very tight construct, their, you know, their mental image. I mean, people have throughout you know, recorded time have been hunted, persecuted, killed, and annihilated for doing anything out of the herd mentality, out of the current, 
consensus. You know, like right now we have, we live in a um, mechanistic consensus, a scientific mechanistic consensus reality that doesn't really have a lot of space. Um, this, you know, materialist world. And I'm talking about our current, you know, American or Western collective consciousness. It doesn't have a lot of space for this, but yet it, you know, there are emerging, you know, ideas and, and the desire for human beings to have a mystical and spiritual experience. Like, well, you know, humans will continue to push against, push the envelope, you know, to allow that. And I think the current interest of all these like young people that are interested in the occult sciences, again, that is indicative of the fact that, you know, again, the universe is balancing itself out and people are looking for answers. The answers come from within your consciousness, memories, dreams, reflections, past lives, future lives, current self. What does it mean to you? That, that is it. That is the key. What does it mean to you? So I would love to hear from you. Please let me know what are your experiences. Do you want to have a, a reading about it? Let me know. Um, and then right before I end, I'm going to read you um, a little bit more from the book. Okay, just a tiny bit more. I'm just give you little snippets. Otherwise, then you won't want the whole thing. Taurus, I have... My grandparents were precious to me. Capricorns are often close to their grandparents, having a Saturnian affinity for tradition, maturity, and the wisdom that comes from age. I was fortunate enough to have very involved and younger grandparents that played an important part in my and my brother's lives. My two grandmothers, maternal and paternal, had a very special place in my heart and many interesting astrological points that connected their astrology to mine. My paternal grandmother Eleanor was a Taurus sun with Venus and Mercury close by. Venus is the planetary ruler of Taurus. We are now moving from the masculine principle of Aries to the feminine one. Grandmother had a morning star Venus rising in her chart. This is the phase of Venus that is visible in the early morning sky. In astrology, it corresponds to Venus and the element of Earth, focusing on development of self-worth and the enjoyment and abundance of the natural sensual world, the principle of feminine as receptive and attracting. Both my grandmothers were beautiful, but Eleanor was gorgeous. She had very high cheekbones and exquisite bone structure. Her lineage included Dutch, English, and Scots, and with her soft blue eyes and blonde hair, she looked like a Hollywood actress. A teenage bride, married at 18. She had had four children by the age of 34. When I was born, she was only 46 and going through a difficult divorce with my grandfather. Unusual for the times. My grandmothers, Eleanor and Helen, were born six months apart in 1920. Their astrology included suns in opposition and the nodes of the moon in the Scorpio-Taurus axis. I too share this position, but in opposition to theirs. Astronomically, the nodes of the moon are found where the Earth's orbit around the sun, 
which is the elliptic, is intersected by the moon's orbit around the Earth. In astrology, these points are very important. Pioneering 20th century astrologer Mark Edmund Jones called them the axis of fate. They symbolically represent the solar and lunar impulses, one's dharma and karma. Research into these positions will bring a load of interesting insight to you, especially around energetic styles that need to be released to the south node by sign and house placement. My own north node, representing that which must be brought into and self-determined in one's life, is Taurus, 14 degrees. This conjuncts both Grandmother's South Node in Taurus, as well as Grandmother Eleanor's Mercury and her Venus. It in turn opposes both my Grandmother's North Nodes and my Grandmother Helen's Sun in Scorpio. In addition, Nana Helen, she just couldn't be called Grandma, so she chose the moniker Nana. Nana Helen's South Node can conjuncted my grandmother Eleanor's Venus in Taurus exactly. There are so many connections here. Karmic contracts, past lives, maybe more. As I've aged and pondered my life through the lens of astrological symbolism, I struggled with understanding my North Node in Taurus. As I understood the season, it is the time of great fecundity and fertility. It's the time of flowering and sensuality. The image of Ferdinand the bull comes to mind, garlanded in blossoms. My grandmothers were also fantastic gardeners, and they both loved flowers and food and design and clothing. They both had had careers in the retail apparel industry. When I was a young girl, going to visit both my grandmothers was wonderful in so many ways. Though, with Scorpion Nana, there were power struggles. However, what I remember most from both women is that they loved their homes and they strove to make them comfortable and beautiful for themselves and guests. The Empress card in the tarot is a wonderful representative of Taurus's feminine energy. A divine goddess sits on a throne decorated with the glyph for Venus. She wears a crown of 12 stars, demonstrative of bright Venus's star status in the heavens. Her gown features the pomegranate, both invoking the myths of Ishtar Inanna and Persephone. These goddesses' myths and worship also represent how the ancients connected the movements of the planet Venus in her appearance in the heavens. There was no division between heaven and earth, sacred and mundane. Venus, as the ruler of Taurus, has an orbit like that of Mercury, which lies within our Earth's. Venus forms two special geocentric conjunctions with the sun, which makes it appear, disappear, and then reappear in different points in relation to the sun. Venus that rises before the sun about a week after her inferior conjunction to it is called morning star. Astrologically, this Venus is also called Venus Lucifer, the light bringer. This energetic type of Venus is emotionally eager, focused on self-esteem and spontaneity. This is the Venus of Taurus. So that's a little bit of um, what I'm writing and would love to hear back from you on that as well. Tell me how you like it um, or not, um, what you would suggest. 
all that. I'm writing it as much for you as I am for me. So um, I appreciate you listening. And again, I'm doing this kind of, (laughs) well, I'm doing it for myself too, but I'm doing it for you too, just to share. So want to hear back from you. Um, Let me know what you think. I hope you are doing well in this Pisces Mercury retrograde season. It's not so bad. If things come up from the past, let them. Don't sign any new contracts. Don't do anything brand, 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 brand new. If you can till, you know, after the second week of March, take the time to revise, research, retreat, um, relax, all that kind of stuff. Um, research and, um, do all the RE stuff. So thanks for listening uh, to me babble about weird stuff like past lives and astrology. And um, I hope you are doing well in this very, very important time in the history of the world. Don't forget to vote. We can change the paradigm. It's all up to you. Have a great day.